Hi, and welcome to the State of Shakespeare. I'm Jim Elliott. And I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And today on the program, we have Shireen Babb. Hi, Shireen. How are Hi, you? Hi, Shireen. I'm well, thank you. <laughs> awesome. A little bit about Shireen. She has appeared on Broadway in, at Lincoln Center in Macbeth in the original cast of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child off-Broadway. She's appeared at such theaters as Roundabout Theater Company, the Bedlam Theater Company, WP Theater. Regionally, she's appeared at the Kennedy Center, Roundhouse Theater, Shakespeare Festival of St. Louis, the Folger Theater, where she played in Julius Caesar and Antony and Cleopatra, Huntington Theater Company, Long Wharf, and Old Globe Shakespeare Festival for the 2010 and 11 seasons. It is a pleasure to have you. Welcome, Shireen. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be doing something like this during this time, you know, just to... <laughs> this, is our, this is our first COVID-19 interview. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm lucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so far, it seems to be going okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shireen, um, I, love, I love your bio. There are so many favorite theaters of ours listed there. Yes. Including Ooh, what's, what's the number one? Let me see. Uh, well, we're not going to pick favorites, but we've had, we've had guests from the Old Globe and from Bedlam and Roundabout. Uh, Kennedy Center. We've definitely done some stuff from the Kennedy Center. It's just, it's, you, your, your work is all over the place and fantastic. Congratulations oh, on a great so career. Thank you. That's a, it, it's such a great resume. <laughs> well, you know, I have been, I may seem very young, young in spirit, probably young in how I look, but um, I, I have been doing this for a very long time. Even when I wasn't sure if I would actually do it professionally, I was still doing it in some form of capacity. So yeah, I've had a chance to just build on that and I'm hoping to continue building on that. Well, you just got back from DC, right? Yeah, we were finishing up our co-production of uh, Time of Athens with the wonderful, wonderful Catherine Hunter as um, Timon. And due to COVID, we had to shut down um, a week and three days early before at the end of that run. So what yeah. was that like? The, the cancellation or the whole process of doing the show with this Another. wonderful being? The cancellation, <laughs> the cancellation, the interruption. I, I, uh, it meant it, it really hard because this is a company that was together at this point. At that point, um, I think was four. We were going on four months, mm -hmm. and so we established this rapport, and we were all very close. And it was a fantastic cast to be a part of. Everyone was very generous and giving and loving, and just. Um, we spent time both on stage and off. So, you know, if you're spending a lot of time off stage yeah. with your cast members, you really like them. Yes. <laughs> so, um, uh, when, when we found out one that we had to close it, the beautiful thing that took place was us coming back to the stage on the last day, on the day that we found out we wouldn't be performing and everyone gathered on that stage and just went around both company, a uh, cast company and crew and everyone were just, um, there was a thing that Simon, Simon Godwin, who is the director and now the artistic director for Shakespeare Theatre Company, uh, what he used to do with us was have each of us go around the circle and give like how we felt that day, like what we would compare what we were doing to that day. 
And so everyone had an opportunity to speak on how they were feeling both about the process, the experience that they've had, or just about the company, and mm -hmm. as well as saying goodbye to the space. And it was so moving and so beautiful. So it was a very special, I say all of that to say it was a very special company. Um, to be it sounds of. like you, you you were able to have a little bit of closure even though you closed yeah. early. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Timon is not an oft-produced play. Um, no, it is not. Christmas canon. How um, no. first of all, how is it working on that kind that that very you know not often produced play? But also, how did the audiences respond to Timon? Well, because of uh, Simon Godwin and uh, Emily, I forgot her last name, I apologize, um, their cut and the way that they adapted the play made it very accessible and very relatable um, for today's audience. And so it was easy for you to just uh, get absorbed by it. And a lot of people who saw it were surprised by how relevant it was to our day and time, as well as how easily they could follow the storyline. Um, because what Simon chose to do was not be a purist with the, 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 the text. He actually pulled from other Shakespeare plays and, and, oh. and films to make the storyline not only fluid and completely and have a complete arc, but accessible. And so it's just, like doing even during the rehearsal process we would cut and paste um other texts to make that thought or that uh understanding of that stanza more relatable so i, oh I love it now my curiosity is peaked i want to know what other texts you used <laughs> um one of so my last line because we changed uh lucia so lucia i know we're, we're jumping all over the place i'm sorry okay. um lucia was my character's name and my character uh which you know she's normally played by a male character um is a combination of the senators and the lords uh and that's where a lot of my text uh came from but when we got to the the last act he was trying to find a way to uh culminate like this relationship or this closure of moving on and finding peace and so I forgot what the original line was, but then it was changed to eventually, uh, then my dear countrymen, bring in thy ranks, but leave without thy rage, which I believe comes from, okay, forgive me, purists out there, if I'm getting this wrong, <laughs> I think it comes from a Henry play. Um, mm -hmm. So that was just an example of how he, he was pulling from, from other texts just to make sense of, of what we were doing. Yeah. Just to interject really quick here, the, um, the, the adaptation of the text that you used was by Emily Burns and Simon Goodwin. Emily, thank you. Godwin. Yes. I'm sorry, Simon. Uh -huh. It's sad that it ended early, but it sounded like it was a very, very uh, uh, rewarding production. Definitely. Now we just, uh, this is where we are. I, I feel well, like a lot of what that text, of what that play had to say, it's just so relevant. Just so, even down to Catherine's casting, uh, plague upon the senators upon the people mm -hmm. i feel like that's exactly where we are yeah absolutely it's such an uncertain time and you're on the front lines it sounds like you had hours from the time that you discovered that the show was being canceled to being home again and i'm wondering how are you managing that transition in your career oh, um 
I know it's a scary question. Yes, initially, initially I started to panic and freak out. I think like a lot of people did because you immediately thought, you immediately think, how am I gonna survive this? Um, and then somewhere along that line, the survival kick, the survival kit kicks in. Mm -hmm. And I had a week in DC to try to get my mind around the fact that there's this, there's a possibility of a new normal beginning, beginning for me. And I think that week in DC was helpful. One, I was in this really cool place. Like I loved my apartment there. I love mm -hmm. my apartment here too, but that apartment was just bomb diggity. And mm -hmm. um, while I was in that apartment, I was also in, a, in an area that I love. I love District of Columbia. Like I just love Washington. And so I was able to still walk around and uh, have time to think, have time to reflect um that was uninterrupted and then finding closure of the show having that week to process what was happening and as things were starting to build once i got home i was ready to jump in in my way that's where my survival kit started to happen i was like okay the way that i'm gonna get through this i am a little bit of a type a ocd person so I knew I needed to keep myself busy. And so I created a schedule for myself, basically. And I have time to work out. I'm taking a course on the Coursera with, uh, at Yale University about finance because I'm also developing a business um, uh, for, for other creatives. And I'm doing that through the Actors Fund uh, because I'm part of the cohort for that. And I'm a painter, sketcher. So I'm working on a new piece that's uh, based on my mom. And, you know, I, I'm in a relationship. So I get to spend time via Zoom or FaceTime, whatever, with my significant other. So that, plus staying in touch with my friends, have fulfilled me and is fulfilling me in a way that allows me to get through this because I am scheduling my time in such a way that I'm not just processing every day what is going on outside of here. I am very much aware. I stay informed by watching the news and reading what's going on, but I've also created an outlet for myself to, to just kind of keep some form of normality in my life so that I don't I don't go insane. <laughs> right, right. I um, I just read an article um, about from an artistic director, and he was saying how this might reignite our understanding of the need to gather as human beings in a in a communal space like a theater, and how after this passes, which it will, it will pass. Um, we might see a little bit more, uh, a little bit more attendance uh, and um, vitality in in our in our business, the theater. And, and I, I would, hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I think as a community, we are still very loving and very uh, hands-on. Um, I put that in quotation because of, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> of you know social distancing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we are very much there is a certain awareness I think artists, creatives have, um, that's already a given in our community, but I think we'll shift that into high gear, I think even more so. I hope so, I hope so. So Shireen, you and I actually, we didn't meet, 
but I did see you and I do remember you from a production of, it was a mashup of Richard, the, um, Richard Henry VI, parts one, mm-hmm. two, and three, that we mm-hmm. did a reading of. I was responsible for the program. Uh, <laughs> okay. Among some other, and just, you know, uh, giving Jerry a sounding board to, to go get his ideas off of. But, um, uh, but I was really impressed by the, the, even in the reading, by your focus and your clarity and uh, all that you brought to the role. And I think you're, you brought a little something for us from- I did. I'm going to read that speech for you because I loved it so much. I figured, why not? Well, it's a fantastic speech. Um, yeah. It's Queen Margaret from Henry VI, part three, act one, scene four. Um, but can you give us just a little lead in as to what exactly is happening? I mean, I think Garrett and I know, but for our listeners. York has been captured and Queen Margaret killed York's son. Uh, and so this is her way of getting back at him. So that's, is that, you think that's sufficient? Should I say more? <laughs> I think so, Garrett. What do you, what do you say, Garrett? Well, well the, these history plays are wonderful because there are so many reversals of fortune. And this is a moment where she feels like she's very much on top. Exactly. Yeah, she's, she's got him captured. He's, he's tied up or in handcuffs or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's free to say whatever she wants. Exactly. So mm-hmm. this is Shireen Babb reading Queen Margaret from Henry VI, Part Three, Act One, Scene Four. Brave warriors, Clifford and Northumberland, Come, make him stand upon this molehill here, that wrought at mountains with outstretched arms, yet parted but the shadow with his hand. (laughs) What? Was it you that would be England's king? Was it you that reveled in our parliament and made a preachment of your high descent? Where are your mess of sons to back you now? the wanton Edward and the lusty George. And where's that valiant crookback prodigy, Dickie, your boy, that with his grumbling voice was wont to cheer his dad in mutinies? Or with the rest, where is your darling Rutland? Look, York, I stained this napkin with the blood that valiant Clifford with his rapier's point made issue from the bosom of thy boy. And if thine eyes can water for his death, I give thee this to dry thy cheeks withal. Alas, poor York, but that I hate thee deadly, I should lament thy miserable state. I prithee, grieve to make me merry, York. What? Hath thy fiery heart so parched thine entrails? Why art thou patient, man? Thou shouldst be mad, and I, to make thee mad, do mock thee thus. Stamp, rave, and fret, that I may sing and dance. Thou wouldst be feed, I see, (laughs) to make me sport. York cannot speak unless he wear a crown. A crown for York. And lords, bow low to him. Hold you his hands while I do set it on. Aye, Mary, sir, now looks he like a king. Aye, this is he that took King Henry's chair. 
And this is he was his adopted heir. But how is it a great Plantagenet is crowned so soon and broke his solemn oath? As I bethink me, you should not be king till our King Henry had shook hands with death. And will you pale your head in Henry's glory and rob his temples of thy diadem, of the diadem, now in his life against your holy oath? Oh, tis a fault too, too unpardonable. Off with the crown, and with the crown his head, and whilst we breathe, take time to do him dead. Thank you, Shireen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Wow, she is full of spit and vinegar. Oh, she sure is. Mm -hmm. She sure is. And I just love how she revs up into it because it's, it's such a long speech. And so you mm -hmm. can't have the same color and in, intensity through the whole thing. You have to show how she's calculating throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's one of my favorite speeches because it, it goes in so many different directions. I just love trying to capture as many colors of it as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's almost like, uh, you know, like a dream. You get to say exactly what you want to the person that you do not like. Um, exactly. without, you know, without, without him having to, being able to say anything. What's her journey in the speech? Has she changed in what way? I think her objectives remain the same throughout the whole thing. She's going to kill this man. Mm -hmm. But what is interesting is her tactics. She knows, as we said before, she knows the power that she has in this moment. So she's just going to revel in a lot of it as she taunts and tease and mock and inform him um, and also make right. him aware of what she, what she knows. And the more he doesn't react to that, does that change her? Does that intensify what she's doing? Or? Yeah, I think so, because she says it in the line. She was like, why aren't you, why aren't you fretting? Why aren't you raving? She basically says, um, I pretty grieve to make me marry York. You know, she says it to him. I want to see you suffer. It'll help me get through what I have to get through. Right. Um, um, the other thing that I noticed about the speech, and it's interesting that it's coming in, in you know, Henry VI, which is a precursor to Richard III, mm -hmm. is that... First of all, the language is pretty simple. I mean, it gets down to, I mean, one of my favorite lines is, uh, Dickie, your boy. Seems oh, yeah, very, that's one of my favorite lines, too. Yeah, <laughs> very modern, very, very modern. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's simple language and not a lot of, you know, um, you know, heightened language or metaphorical language. And what's interesting is that you could put these words into Richard III's mouth, I think. I mean, it's as bad as what some of the things he says. But it's yeah. different but it's different. It's not quite as flowery or witty as Richard III. And I, I just, it's, it's really an interesting contrast to that guy. You're absolutely right. I never thought about it coming out of the mouth of, of Richard, but it's so true. It is, it's so true that he, he too could say something like this. And I, because there are, there are parts of his, um, of the speeches it would, would throughout his journey that sound a lot like this. I wonder, is there, is there in the entire canon any anti-heroine who is, who is more merciless than Margaret is in this moment? Ooh, oh yes. The person that I immediately thought of was um, in Titus Andronicus, the- uh, Tamara. Ta not only Tamara though, Tamara is ruthless, as, but um, her sons, what they do to- uh, The Lavinia. Oh yeah, 
I mean, that is, I mean, she, all she, all Margaret does is wave a, a handkerchief, you know, a napkin in front of him and puts a paper crown on, on his head. Right. But they, they go further with what oh, they do. They go a lot further. <laughs> a lot further. <laughs> uh, I think we're so lucky as actors to be able to have this so that we can give voice to these things and explore these very dark sides of human nature in this relatively safe space <laughs> rather than trying to act them out in our real lives. Right. I, don't even, I can't even think of that. It's <laughs> like, imagine what that would be like. We're coming, we're coming up to the close. So Jim, do you have a... Shireen, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, which... Shakespearean classical actor do you want to work with like that you haven't worked with already that you would love to work with um he actually was a guest of yours and he's someone that I know um and occasionally uh have connection with but Mr. John Douglas Thompson is the JDT yes. um, yeah we we have been talking about possibly getting to do something together. We don't know where and how and when, but um, I got to see him in Tamberlane and I just, ugh, actually, I was like, oh my goodness, I want to work with this man. But we'll see. That's the person I would love to work with. So who's, well, you know, whomever guess, is listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, John Douglas, um, I have to say that he was one of our last interviews face-to-face -face live in a studio. Um, oh, wow. before we moved to, you know, um, to these kind of interviews that are remote. Um, and his performance of mm. the speech he chose mm -hmm. was deeply moving, even in this tiny little studio face to face. I mean, it was, and I listen and I think about it far more than I probably should. Um, maybe because I'm working on Hamlet with my students right now, but it's just he, his rendition of it was lovely his, of the Hamlet speech that he chose. Um, and he's just a lovely man. So, yes, I hope you get to work with him. That would be yeah. great. <laughs> Lastly, uh, my last question for you, what is your dream role? Um, well, it's actually not Shakespeare. Um, my dream role is to play Hedda Gabler. Yeah, it's it's that role that I want to, and, and, and surprisingly, I want to do it in England because I, I, I went to school and I worked there uh, briefly. And so I want to do it at the National. Oh my God! So um, it's it's my my uh, many people who many of my close friends know that that's the the thing will let me know that I've made it <laughs> if I can do head of gabble. Oh my God, that'd be amazing! You and John Douglas Thompson. But who would he be? Would he yeah. be the judge, Tess, yeah. or? I think he would be a waste as Tessman. Um, well, if it happens, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, that's right. That's there you right. go. And if it does happen, <laughs> we're going to get you both on, and we're going to interview about that production. Uh, even if it's not here. <laughs> that would be lovely. That would be great. Shireen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. I had so much fun. Thanks, Shireen. Thank you. See you guys. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And thank you for listening to The State of Shakespeare. Thanks for joining us for this.
State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.